What's up, everyone? My name is Wally. I like the robot. And much <laughs> love to my brother here. It's been A1 yeah. since day one. Day one. So this is my pledge brother, my fraternity brother, but my Omicron. S- Omicron, my soul spirit brother. Like we, this is it. So like he, like you have twins in your fraternities, but this is like, he, he might as well be it. Like I love this. I used to sleep on this man's couch for real before I was bougie. <laughs> um, well, I was still bougie then. But, uh, <laughs> it was a nice couch. Yes, it was. And I used to clean their bathroom because I'm just still bougie. (laughs) (laughs) Shut the hell up. Um, But Wally is, he's my homie. So tell the people a little bit about yourself. So uh, post-grad life, I'm just working in a pharmacy in the Fanning Joint, just doing my thing. Uh, Moonlighting as a rapper. Okay. Something slight, just make a little music on the side. But uh, yeah. Okay, just taking not, baby steps. Don't don't knock your hustle. You are a rapper. You're Wally. You doing the damn thing? Coming soon on the come up. Fuck with it. So hey. where can the, where can the people find you? On Insta, Facebook, and SoundCloud. Uh, my tag is at like the robot. So that's how we used to introduce myself and be like, "Hey, what's up? This is Wally, like the robot." Okay. So we're gonna go. We're like a little live right now. Mm, we hit them with the live stream. Oh wait, I gotta. Mm. So I don't usually do live. Hello, <laughs> hello, hello. What up? All right. So today, let's just jump into the show. So, girl, how you living? Pew. Hey, it's our my tenth. Like it's my little like my little anniversary. It's my tenth episode. So I'm really excited and I'm Double happy digits. to have you on here. Let's get it. Um, but I really want to talk about being in a fraternity and a particularly predominantly predominantly white fraternity. Um, so we're talking about that and how we are men of color and we are ready to tell you about how we fuck up the game being in a predominantly white fraternity and still being of color. Hey, so we are in i don't want to like say our fraternity's name because whatever we say i don't want people to necessarily think that just left right or anything about them but we will say that this is a a predominantly fabulous we fuck it up fraternity and we were founded before slavery child (laughs) antebellum type joint antebellum type joint but we're the longest lasting fraternity and we are strong and we will rise above (laughs) Always. All right. So I'm going to log off of live because this shit is very distracting, right? (laughs) (laughs) We're actually here. This is what I'll do. I'll set it down. I'll put live. Uh Uh-oh. Up here. I don't even know what we can do because we got to. Fuck it. I'm drinking too. Fuck it. It's okay. 
I'm drinking. Ooh, and I smoked, honey. Ooh, shit. Uh-oh. I done did sativa, y'all. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't even know what that is. That's a... That's a not Kaylani. What's the bitch who fucked Big Sean? What's her name? Janae Aiko. I didn't did that bitch. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't really do her, but I didn't did something. Oh goodness. You're okay, man. Oh child. Jesus. Just ride the wave. I just want to go to heaven. Just ride the wave. You're I just want to go. Mommy, I'm sorry. Don't listen, girl. Don't listen. He's all right. He's in good hands. He didn't gave me. You didn't got him. That's a Tiva. <laughs> I don't need. Hey, it. man. Look, you took it. <laughs> I did. I did. Just like I take that dick. Ow! Okay, let me stop. Not that. No, that. Anyway. Uh, so, let's talk about it. Um, so, I met Young Wale um, mm, in 2012. And he was on his, like, medical school shit. And, like, <laughs> we literally, like... So, we had to get our... Um, what was it called that we got? What like, are you talking about? When you get your bids. We had to get our bids, right? That's so right. So, we right. got our bids. And he was, like, After everyone had to dress up. That. And he was dressed up in like, I remember this. like some like great nah, anatomy so blues. Out. Yeah, I, I had just gotten off work and I rolled up. Everyone's in like button ups and ties, and I'm in my scrubs and Nike free runs. And I was like, "Who the fuck are you?" Like, uh, but I got a bid. <laughs> he got something, child, and like now he's my brother, and I love him to death. But um, once we got into the fraternity, we realized who we were and kind of got a sense of self and how to finagle and finesse our way through college, being in a fraternity and paying dues and things like that, we realized, I think I I realized that I was in something greater than myself. And I know that when you're in a fraternity, sorority, or whatever you are, an organization in school, it's really hard to balance that and being on a sports league or whatever and maintaining your schoolwork. But being in our fraternity, like you had to kind of balance your grades because you couldn't do the things, quote unquote, do the things that you, the fun things, um, and the leisurely things that are given to people who have their shit together. So whether it go be go to car, go to parties or participate in Greek week or whatever the case may be, if your grades weren't right, you couldn't do that. Now I was very popular in school and I let kind of popularity and just having fun. I don't want to say popularity. That was more high school, but I let having fun get the best of me. And I wasn't necessarily a one of my grades, but they were, they were okay. They were mediocre, but there were some times where my grades weren't necessarily where they needed to be. Um, but I was still fucking up the game and twerking my best life. And it's not necessarily a regret, but it's just something that I look back in hindsight and think that I could have done better. Um, but Definitely being in my fraternity pushed me to want to be better because of the people who were around me, like Wally, who, you know, were working nights and who were in med school and pre-med, whoever, like, oh, people who are above me, people who are below me as far as, like, class-wise, people always inspired me, but where we went to school was a very diverse place. So even if you thought that you were in the most Southern fraternity, which we were in, we thought of that we were that version but it wasn't until later when I went to a conference and I realized damn like we're the only people of color and I am the only vice president of recruitment here who is is out and gay and of color and I was like damn like even knowing what we were founded on I thought that we had progressed but that's just because I was in that bubble 
And we're going to talk a little bit more about that, like being in a bubble and how that bubble opens up and, and your bubble kind of bursts. But I definitely want to get your feedback. So when you joined SA or <laughs> whoops, when you joined your fraternity, what <laughs> did you? Who? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you joined your fraternity, like why? Why did you join and what did you think you were going to get out of it? So honestly, when I first went to college, I was seeing someone and it was a white girl who mm -hmm. was in a sorority. And she was back in Nova, and she was like, you don't need to join anything, just rush. So I rushed. I was like, let me see what this is all about. I'd never heard of Greek life before, you know what I'm saying? I was coming into college, I was like, all right, bet. I'm going to get these grades, go to med school, open up a practice, and just ball. Okay. Then, uh, so I met Simei mm -hmm. at the stands, and we spoke, and he was like, oh, hey, this is what we're about, this is our creed, this is what we stand for. And I'm like, I like that. That's cool, y'all up to something. You're like... The 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 goal was bigger than just themselves, right? Yeah. Whereas literally every other table was like, hey, man, we're throwing down this weekend. Let me get your number. I send you the address. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, turn up. All right. That's everywhere. You I know ain't going to lie. Saying? I went to the other one. Uh, well, <laughs> okay. No, no. So did I. <laughs> I was there. Wait, but did you go to my party, my birthday party? Were you at that one? The very first one? That was I at 1729. So. That yeah, was I was at like almost every... Yeah. We'll talk about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I chose... um our fraternity mm -hmm. to join because they stood up for something greater. So when I first joined, I really liked that, especially our creed. It stood out to me and it kind of stuck in my heart to this day. I still know it. And it, I say it sometimes. It reminds you, it grounds you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It keeps things in perspective. And that's what, what I've been working towards is kind of, you know, in college, I kind of worried about, I gave priority to social life above mm -hmm. other things mm -hmm. like sleep <laughs> right. and sometimes class, but it was fun. I learned a lot from it, you know what I'm saying? Especially interacting with all those different types of people. Yeah. Especially that who don't share the same same views and who don't communicate the same way that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So me, I so Wally has like you're one of what siblings wise? I'm the oldest of eight children. Okay, so I'm the oldest of I'm myself. <laughs> like I'm the only child. And so being in a fraternity and then having a pledge class of fourteen when thirteen came through Shade to you, Shelby. <laughs> but that those 13 people, those other 12 people were and are my brothers, even though I don't like some of them now. Um, and I don't, like, speak to some of them. I speak to most. And it's just like a family. Like, that is a real, like, you spend 10 weeks with people that you don't know, then you get to know, and then now we can kick it, like, what, five, six years later, and we're still here. So, like, you take people with you along the ride. But... Oh, yeah. Um, me and my story about how I joined my fraternity was very different. So obviously I'm real fabulous. I don't like saying fabulous cause it's fabulous. Um, but I was on the cheerleading team in my college and then that didn't work out so well cause it was kind of a cult and they were really dramatic and I was extra dramatic. And so all the drama didn't really work, but being in a fraternity is, I might as well be a sorority cause everyone is dramatic. <laughs> but, um, I was friends with all of the different fraternities and probably hooking up with most of them. <laughs> Let me stop my life. But um, Pause. I was living my life, my best college life. And I just realized that I wanted to be in another fraternity because all my friends were in this one that I had joined. And so the one that I wanted to join, the boy who I wanted to be my big brother ended up liking me and he was gay. And I was like, oh, child. And so then I joined 
ultimately this one. Like, they gave me a bid. All my friends were in it. But it, the real reason why I joined, shout out to my big, Caleb. And you get a big and a little, and y'all probably like, what the hell? So you get a big brother, and then you are the little brother, and then ultimately you become a big brother later on down the line for someone else. So it's like a, a give and take. But Caleb, when I was rushing... Rushing is the process where you're just looking at all the different fraternities and you're going to their events to try to get you intrigued into joining them. Ultimately, I was at a rush event. Um, we went to a baseball game and he like drove me and he wanted to know about my about me and like he was like, "So who are you dating?" And yada yada yada. He got a boyfriend. Like he was literally just asking me questions. Like that was any old guy. And I'm like, "Yo, like this is wild. Like I never had a guy like a straight man be interested in my life and like." just me and not the gay me and and what I could do for them. And I was like, yo, like, I really want to be in this fraternity. And so that's when I was like, yo, damn, like, I really, like, please, God, just give me a bid. And so ultimately I got that and I rushed. And when I rushed, it was a little different because some people did treat me as if I were that effeminate guy and you don't have to do so-and-so, but and so I was like, no, I want to be treated like everybody else. And ultimately I was. And it was an experience like taking those tests and then just doing the things that you need to needed to do. And being in a fraternity like grounded me and molded me and taught me how to be a man. I, my father passed away when I was younger. So even when it was like, okay, how do you shave? I shave this way. How do you tie a tie? I tie a tie this way. Like you just learn those things. And like our camaraderie being Omicron, like our class had actually already had been established and then they had like some drama and then we were the reviving class like we brought that fraternity back and so that was straight like, up that was good like a good ass feeling so then when we made it through it was like we are here so that was all good and well and so we're trying to give you the light before we give you i don't want to say the dark but the gray um <laughs> like i said you have to remind yourselves that we were in a very urban we're in richmond virginia so we're a very urban that's an environment that's hippie and medical, like our school. Very open. Yeah, so it's you have the medicine, you have the arts, you have um, the in-betweens, and then you still have those people who are very uppity. And so you have to kind of maneuver all, through all of those things. And so there's a council that counsels each fraternity and sorority. And how I like to break it down is like this. You have IFC, and that is Interfraternal Council, and that governs quote-unquote, the white boys, fraternities. And then you have the CPC, or Panhellenic, Panhell, who, quote-unquote, counsels the white girls. And then you have NPHC, National Panhellenic Council. They counsel the Divine Nine. They govern the Divine Nine. So that's your AKAs, that's your um, Alpha Phi Alphas, Phi Beta Sigmas, your Kappas, your Zetas, um, your Sigma Gamma Rose, and... Delta oh Sigma Theta? I said, uh, your oh, deltas, deltas and then oh my gosh and your iotas oh my god i feel like i, I might have missed one but i'm so sorry so your divine eyes and then you have um mgc well we had our school's multicultural group and those are all like hispanic asian anything under the sun so that's what we had at our school keep that in mind for further down the line but we joined our Bars. fraternity we had fun we party like rock stars and I left. So, but in that progression, I realized I became in the council of IFC. So I was in the council who governed all the fraternities. Mind you, like I said, the white boys. So I governed these, these gentlemen. And then all these gentlemen were gentlemen. It was like, oh, the gay boy is in charge of us. Or 
because I was in charge of recruitment. So if you wanted someone to join your fraternity, you had to go through the gay boys. Like, you had no other choice. So, yes, I was going to all the parties. I was turking and shaking and everything in a whole full circle. And counterclockwise, before I was in this position, and then when I became this person, it was like I was a completely different person. Like, oh, you can't come to this because you're going to tell on us. And it's like not like I'm going to tell on you, but... I'm just going to have fun, but if you don't let me have fun, yes, I will call the cops on your party. So, excuse me, AKL, I did. <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah. Bang, bang. I had fun. I had fun. <laughs> I hooked up with a couple afterwards. But, um, <laughs> anyway, um, I had a good time in college being in an oblivious situation, but it wasn't, like I said, until we went to account or it was like a... I don't know, some type of thing that we went to as IFC in Atlanta, Georgia, and all these people were Caucasian. And I'm like, yo, I'm the only person of color in this room, literally the only one. There might have been a Hispanic person. And that's when I realized, like, I always know that I'm different. I think I talked about this before. I'll be in a room in a meeting at work, and every black person or person of color does this. You'll, you'll screen the room. Am I the only one? Is there somebody, is there a black person? Oh, okay, there's not a black person, but there's, there's a Hispanic person. Or he Indian, uh, he got some color. So you do that. I was literally one of three black people in the room. It was wild. And so that kind of like made me think like, yo, you're really doing something right now at your school. So when I went back after that um, conference, I kind of put something in perspective in my mind. I was like, you need to not only be the best recruitment president or president of recruitment you need to be the best that's ever been here because you don't want to just have guys join fraternities and yeah you did your job but you need to be the best that's ever done it and I've taken that mindset into everything that I've done now yes in my normal job I told y'all I fucked up and I everyone gets lazy and things like that but you always have to be the best and even when you fall off you have to realize who the fuck you is and then get that shit together so that's something that I had to do and being in that particular council taught me those things um did you learn anything <laughs> from there from just my time at uh in your fraternity in the club mm-hmm. hmm. i mean it's yeah, not the absolutely. club <laughs> you're the best friend i ever paid for <laughs> <laughs> so i mean yeah nothing like you did i wasn't i don't feel like i was ostracized as much as you would have been having the the first the black and then and the that gay. and the gay mm-hmm. and like the full out gay you know what i'm saying yeah i was so, no i was i mean no, i wasn't like a lady gaga gay but i'm just like a lady gaga i'm out gay. like i'm out here like y'all know who it is but exactly you didn't hold anything back yeah I've, just, I've always lived my life and as you can tell hopefully when you listen to the show like i put it out there but at the same time if you saw me and we were talking like i'm not gonna just put your business out there but i'm very I'm straightforward, and so in conversations with a friend, I will definitely keep it real with you. I'm not going to sugarcoat shit, because when you have friends that sugarcoat shit, shit falls apart. They, not, unintentionally, they're, they are encouraging you for your downfall, because they're not telling you the truth. And it's like, when shit happens, okay, you didn't went bankrupt, and you done lost your house and your car. Well, girl, why didn't you tell me? And I was telling you when I was going out and you, we were going out together. Yeah, bitch, because that hoe wasn't telling you what the fuck she needed to tell you or he needed to tell you when you were living on the high. You need someone that even when you're on the high, they're going to give you the medium or tell you about the lows that you're giving out. Because if they're only up here to size you up and put you on this plethora, where do you have to go? You have nowhere else to go but fall. So you need someone to keep you balanced. Keep it real with you. 
that's why like me and Wally, we don't talk all the time. But when we talk, we talk about the real because that's going to keep away the fake. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. Amen. For real. Since, um, since the beginning. Yeah. We just kind of clicked for, from the get go. We did. It was kind of, it was very weird. Very. I remember we were like watching, it was like after our first formal and we were like watching Grey's Anatomy. We were just like talking and I was like, Grey's Anatomy. I haven't seen that show in a minute. Probably since then. Anyway, let's not do reminiscing. Um, but I want to kind of get out of the whole college experience and then go into after, like, post-grad. So I graduated when we graduated. I graduated before you, so you mm-hmm. were still a senior. And in 2014, our fraternity um, had an incident in Oklahoma. Um, and so we're giving you these, oh, yeah. like, I'm, like, dropping these jewels. But all I got to do is Google. So we had an incident where they... Had an incident. Um, One of our chapters in Oklahoma. Yeah, and they were like screaming like niggas can't be on this bus or something or niggers with the er the hard er. Um, they were screaming that chanting that whatever the case may be. They were saying the n word, and being that I was the face of my fraternity and my college because I had just graduated like literally months before. Um, people were hitting me up like my inbox. That's like DMs was a big deal. Like my DMs was popping. Um, and I like addressed it in like a, a Facebook status, but in my heart of hearts and how I expressed it to people was just like, you know, that is a certain chapter and that's not me. That's like an individual who's African American saying something about all blacks, but I ain't that man. So I have to speak for myself and I know that the chapter that I joined and who we stand for and who we are, and I just have to represent myself and my chapter and my fraternity and organization as so, but they they are no longer a part of the, the home that that our founding fathers created. However, people always looked at me like or look at me as if you are the face of something that is horrible. Okay, I get it, but then you still have black people out here who are, who are racist against their own kind. So I can't speak for you know that well Don Lemon has changed his his lifestyle around, but I can't speak for the two thousands. 1615 Don Lemon. I can't speak for um, the Omarosas. I can't speak for those individuals. People ask me about those people too, but I'm not them. I'm only me. And I can only live for myself. But I will say when I'm applying for a job or where I'm going somewhere, you best believe that fraternity is on the resume Mm -hmm. because that's going to get me to where I need to go. Because yes, I am a black boy in a white fraternity. And I, I use what what God has given me and the blessings and the opportunities to my benefit and don't act like because I'm doing that I'm less than or I'm I'm trifling. No, I'm doing that because I pay good money like everybody else did to be in this organization. So therefore I'm going to put that on my resume and on my LinkedIn because I'm going and I do have the job that I have today because of this fraternity and the organization that I served and been a part of and the the council that I was on as well. But that has only gotten me to understand, like, yes, I'm in a better position, but I'm smarter, honey. I'm smarter and I'm wiser and I know how to maneuver this game. That that was a game that taught me. That put me on the game. And when I say that is we're people of color in a white boy's land. We're, all, we're, we're born into a white boy's land, a white man's land. And I'm, this is not me being racist. This is me just being. I know what you're getting at right here. Me and no, well, this is me just talking truth, spitting game. You as a person of color, especially as me as a black man and you, what, what's your ethnicity? I'm Arab. Yeah. So you got a double entendre over here. 
So when you have these individuals of in our cultures and our cultural cultures, excuse me, I've been <laughs> smoking that sativa and been on that, that <laughs> red wine. Um, when you have our ethnicities, our backgrounds, our races, so people already are judging us based off of just the way we look. You got to game has a recognized game. You always have to maneuver and work to what's going to get you to the next and what's going to get you to that the upper room. So, yes, I will use the opportunities that I have been given and the organizations that I've been a part of to the best of my ability so that I can get to the next place. But I'm not only using that, I'm using my street smarts because that situation taught me and it, it, it educated me on how to be a good leader. It taught me the foundations and fundamentals of what I needed to know. But when you're playing a white man's game in a white man's land, you have to know that you're still always going to be less than. I don't think that I'm better than anybody else. I don't think that I'm just as white as the next person of the founding fathers because some of those people had slaves. I know who I am and I know what I'm a part of, but I know that that got me to have my brother on the show today. And I know that not every one of my white and non-color fraternity brothers are not against me. They are for me and they are here to uplift me. So don't get it twisted when we talk about being people of color in a white man's fraternity because we're just in a fraternity that happened to be built off of the backs of people who owned people of color. But we just want to let you know that it was real different for us. And so I just want to get your feedback a little bit. What you're talking about here is that where we grow up and where we're making moves, that system is built in someone else's culture. Mm-hmm. So we come from different cultures. And you know, I'm kind of the same way. Like you got I got the M and M's in the rap game. <laughs> <laughs> we we like I go home to a different. I have a different culture at home, mm-hmm. different way I interact, different way we live than what's shown on TV. But I come outside to a whole different culture, like here in the United States, compared to what I go to at home. You know what I'm saying? And that tying into like uh, what you're talking about, working in a white man's land, mm-hmm. right? This is their culture. This is their system that they built. And I think what you're talking about with learning with. Uh, and the fraternity was uh, something called bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. That's a bitch and a half. I hate bureaucracy because nothing ever gets done. You know what I'm saying? Everything's thrown into a... I mean, whatever. That's that's beside the point. But that's what you're taught. And that's how things run in the U.S. currently. You know what I'm saying? That's how things get put up. They get put up to a vote. It is very... Dem- uh, a lot of it, the approach, the... Like Robert's rules and whatnot is very democratic. You remember all that. <laughs> okay. So, um, in that, yes, we did have to learn that because that's not something that we come from. We didn't have that growing up. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Well, yours is very different from mine because you were a single child of a single mother. So, very different dynamic growing up for you, whereas me, I never had a quiet day at home. You know what I'm saying? There's a different interaction, different different dynamic in the house, different energy every single day because so many people are feeding well, to child, that energy. Well, living with a black mama, there's a different energy every fucking minute, bitch. <laughs> like, like you, See, I wouldn't know. You over here trying to just live your life, and it's like, Ibby, did you clean up? Did you wash them dishes? It'll be a, <laughs> it'll be a spoon in the, in the sink. But did you wash the dishes? Yes, girl, I washed the dishes. But um, I'm over here still trying to watch Rugrats. So, like, what we doing over here? Um, and it's just always something different, but I get what you mean. Like just living your life in your cultural and when you're living in a culture, um, and whether the culture be race, whether the culture be, if you're raised by two gay parents. Now I always wanted to know when you are a child raised by gays, cause I'm going to have children raised by me. 
Um, Hanabi is a gay. Uh, how is that? Like, what do you feel like you have to live up to the norm of you're my parents are gay, so I should be gay or? And this is going off of the whole fraternity thing, but like we're on a new wave. I think our generation is part of that, where so many things are changing. The whole nuclear family essence, the, the thinking of a mother, father, and children, mm-hmm. that whole thing is changing, and it has been changing. You know what I'm saying? So we're probably gonna just define it for ourselves, okay? Honestly, when we get there, and like. 10, 20 years. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like a lot of your ideology was different from what they thought was important? When we were learning? No, no. When you were learning, you were just learning about the fraternity and not really how it works, just about it and what it stands for. You know what I'm saying? But like when you went in and started holding a position and mm-hmm. like, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm pretty, I've pretty much held every position. Oh, yeah. On, uh, he on held, that he held them all. <laughs> and I did them all and I did them all well, all modesty aside. But like, you, my approach was always different than than what I th- I saw as the norm. Mm-hmm. Did you ever run into that? It was. I think that for our actual fraternity, um, we weren't like we were. We started off at the top, and then like we kind of like just fizzled. Um, but we always thought that these positions were high and almighty, and that's something that being. In a, being a professional cheerleader and looking at veterans, like now I am a veteran, so that's why we had to take a break a couple of weeks ago because the child had to try out, and that was a mm-hmm. whole lot. But being in a position that now I'm a veteran, I always looked up to these veterans, and now I am a veteran, and I'm like, well, the, the fuck, I'm here. So it was like you always held like a higher power to these people, and then once you become that person, you're like, I'm still me, but those people don't. People below you, and I don't want to say below you, but it's the truth because he said bureaucracy, bureaucracy, I always want to say Barack, like President <laughs> Obama. Um, bureaucracy and even a democracy, those, it's just, it's all a hierarchy. So you always look up to the next person above you, but you don't realize that you're always that person. So, and, and that's why a beauty that I want to get out of the show is that no matter what you think that you're a part of, a white man's land, fraternity, position, We are all the same people. And it's kind of going back to our last episode where we all have to do better for ourselves. And we want for the future generations to be better than what we are. So, yes, I always thought I held a higher power to these positions in our fraternity and in the councils. But once I became that individual and when people were looking up to me, I always wanted to make sure I did my best. So when I was the president or the vice president or the social chair, I wanted for the gays and the black gays and the, the whatever, whoever was who was like me or assimilated to want to be like me to realize that, yo, I can be like Ibn. Like, Ibn is just chill, but you got to get shit done. So, yes, we still have to do philanthropy. We still have to do charity work. We still have to be social and twerking in a circle and get people to be twerked on. Um, we still have to you know, run for these positions so that we can better ourselves as a school, as a council, as a fraternity, as a chapter. And I would just really wish that that would have continued to go on in our chapter, but. You know where it died down? Malzerin. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually before him. That that was when it all ended. Okay. The beginning of the end was when uh, when our Omicron president was kicked out. By uh, some like our fraternity brother, yeah. yeah, you know what I'm talking about. He came in with a speech and like mm-hmm. thought it was all funny, and then won, and then 
didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Europe. That's that's that was the beginning of the end. Yeah. And see, we right. lost we lost focus of so what we was had, important. So of what we were trying you were to say about. is that we our one of our pledge brothers, he was the president and he was very like headstrong and very stern, like even stern with me. And I'm like, yo, I'm your pledge brother. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. We needed that, though. We were slacking off and we needed that structure and whatnot. And then when he followed the rules, which is what they're for, <laughs> there to do, some guy was like, no, no, no. What's funny is that when he mo- removed him and put himself there, he did the same exact thing. Yeah, that's when I was leaving. So, and the thing about it is, like, just, and this is something internal, but when I realized that it was going left, I actually kind of removed myself from my chapter and I became the president of that whole get governing council, which was a fraternity within itself. Um, it was like seven or eight of us, but I just didn't want to be a part of that drama and, and all of that. So, it is what it is, but I don't want to talk about like our 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 actual fraternity. I want to talk about us being men today and what our predominantly white fraternity taught us and how we as people of color have taken those lessons and still thrived in the world that we live in today and in corporate America and wherever we we're, we're doing and but how we've taken those lessons and also what we learned from that. So being a black gay man, being part of a fraternity that was founded by, I keep saying predominantly because I want to, I want to, so I know y'all listen to other podcasts and even my favorite podcast talked about these experiences of what my fraternity has done or the chapters that were a part of my fraternity, but I am not them and we are not them. And our fraternity did so much good for us, but also it showed us so much bad. But being a black man in a white man's fraternity, you always, you can get far, but not far enough. And that's what I want to talk about today. And that's what I want to kind of elaborate on is when you're in this, we'll call our, our chapter, or our fraternity, Sigma Sigma Sig. Oh, that, that is a sorority. We'll call ourselves Zai Zai Zai. Sure. So being in Zai Zai Zai, do you feel like you've come far, but you're not far enough? Well, I never feel like I've been, I've come far enough. That's just that's called complacency, mm-hmm. and that's that's no good anywhere. But in the fraternity itself, there were times. Honestly, my biggest thing was not because of my color or who I was, like you felt. It was mostly my lifestyle choices, and there was a lot of uh, judgment that came with that. That's part of the reason I. Uh, they removed me at the end. Because they were like, oh, no, you do this. We can't have that be a part of this. And I'm like, well, I've been doing this, but I've been more productive than all of you combined. What is the, like, I don't see, like, I'm not hurting anyone with this. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing, there's nothing. It just wasn't something that they accepted. And because of that, they kind of moved me out. And when I moved out, it all came crumbling down. Yeah, our fraternity no longer exists at the college that we went to, and that's because we had some fuck boys who were trying to be leaders, and they were never leaders. They were fuck boys is what they were. But this is not us being haters on these individuals. This is just us talking about that situation. And I don't feel like the fact that we no longer exist right now for the next four more years, three more years, um, has nothing to do with this conversation. I really feel like just our journey and our legacy, you, Wally, me, Ibn, how we have progressed today based off the things that we learned in this fraternity. And the, and the point of this whole 
conversation in this podcast, this episode, it's just like everyone always, not everyone, but people of color often ask me, why didn't you join the Divine Nine? Why didn't you join the MGC? Why didn't you do this? And I want to say, just to clear the air and for myself personally is I wanted to be a part of an NPHC for the longest time. And then it was based off of the stereotypes that I've heard. And like people hear about the IFCs and then anything like all you do is drink and all you do is rage and then you get haze and it's different types of hazing depending on what fraternity that you're in. But everyone does some hazing. Um, I'm not going to confirm or deny like whatever we did because doesn't really matter at this point but people have fun and people do what they want to do and it's up to you as an adult and i know that you're legally an adult but you're not always an adult you can make those decisions for yourself and you can quit and sometimes you feel like you can't quit but i didn't want to join an nphc when i was younger because i thought that i was going to get harmed and hazing and that's kind of a not a regret but that was ignorance on my behalf um and no matter what would have happened if I joined that a, a specific fraternity, it would have happened and I would have had to just live that life, live whatever life that was destined for me if I would have made that decision. But I didn't. And I didn't necessarily join this fraternity or an IFC, predominantly white fraternity, because I thought that I would have it easy. I literally joined a fraternity because I wanted brotherhood. I wanted to to feed off of the culture of other men and for them to empower me and for me to understand them. I didn't want to just have this, Oh, I'm gay. I want to love up on your ding ding. I wanted to be like, yo, let's kick it. I never understood how to do that until literally I probably hung out with you. Like how do men interact without being romantic? And we, we definitely have that relationship. So that's why I joined a fraternity. But then in hindsight, I should probably went. I probably should have went to a HBCU to be honest, but like, <laughs> I, and I got into one. And I didn't go. Um, and that's kind of a that's regret. going way back. Yeah, I don't want to have regrets, but that's kind of like a hmm. Should I have done that? And I kind of wish I kind of have done had made that decision. Um, but hindsight is twenty twenty. It is twenty. But look where you are right now. I'm twerking in a whole circle. There you go. In a whole circle. <laughs> 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 but. Um, no, I think that being a part of this fraternity has definitely, and I've always been the token black boy. I've been, you know, the token gay boy. I've been, I, I, I am, the, I'm you, not saying I have been, I am. That's what I am. I am. The t- and the thing is, some people get offended. <laughs> you know, the party starts when Evan shows up. <laughs> it does. I'm always like, I'm always a good time and I'm always trying to, I am. So what I will say is before you know me and all of that stuff, I am that token person, but when I come into the room or when you get to know me, you're like, who, oh, this is not who they said he was, or this is not what I was expecting because a lot of people think that I'm like Indian or that I'm Caucasian, depending on which voice I'm giving you, (laughs) and or that I might be a woman. You never know how high it gets um, or how low it gets. Um, But at the end... At the end of the day, you don't know who you're ex- who you're going to get, but you're always going to get a version of Ibn, and Ibn is going to remain himself. I'm never going to be someone different, but I always will take the things that I learned, that I've seen, that I've that I've heard, that I've smelled, that I've tasted. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, I will always take that in 
to every situation that I put myself in because I never want to be half-assed or late to the game or unprepared. So that's what I'll say for that. Amen. I fuck with that. You ain't got nothing else to say? I have a lot to say, but you said a lot. So what part of it do I say it to? (laughs) Okay, interrupt me. Nah, not when you're on a roll like that. That'll throw you off. But okay, like, so to one point you were making, a lot of the interactions that you're talking about, I didn't really experience because I'm not the token gay black guy. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Just a Middle Eastern kid that kind of. But you're also the Middle Eastern token sometimes, so don't even. Yeah, I know. Like you not. I know. Because where he's from in Virginia, it's very non, it ain't the Middle East, I'll say that. Right, right, right. To the world I'm, or in my area, to my area, I am Habibi. Mm-hmm. That's how I exist. But that's cool. That's just that's just the name that they gave me. And one of my songs, I rap about how nobody can pronounce my real name. Mm-hmm. That's why everyone calls me Wally. Mm-hmm. And it like the hook of the whole song is, Wild Wally, it don't matter what you call me. Because it really doesn't. Just like how you're talking about every time you come into a room, you're going to take everything that you that's happened to you so far, that you've been through so far, carry it everywhere with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like a journal, a never-ending journal that you continue to write in. So I had that as well, but I never worried about the label. I never worried about... Because I've been called different things my whole life. For a while, it was while. Mm-hmm. And then whenever people see my name, they think whale. And then wa'el. And then Wali. Mm-hmm. And then Wali. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, how my name is pronounced in Arabic, which is Wa'il, which nobody nobody can pronounce. You know what I'm saying? That is a fucking mouthful. I'm allowed to cuss. Fuck it. It happened. So, fuck him up. Fuck him when you see him with that bitch for the fuck him up. Fuck him up. Fuck him up. Say it out loud. Cool. All right. So, yeah, it, 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 it really doesn't matter what. Because. The number one thing that I've learned so far is that they're welcome to their opinions because their opinions are not real. Opinions are assholes. Everyone has one. Exactly. And you're welcome to it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to be near it. It might be different for you. <laughs> I'm, fucking I'm not near assholes. I just throw mine in a circle. <laughs> in a whole circle? A whole. Yes, a whole circle. <laughs> but yeah. I, I appreciate your feedback, brother. Like, I really do. Um, I just really... Well, I want if this is heard in any high schoolers' ears or middle schoolers and you're thinking about joining a fraternity, join one, be a part of one, be a part of any kind. Um, don't let anything hold you back or stereotypes. But definitely understand who you are, know who you are, recognize who you are, learn who you are throughout the process of being in that fraternity or being living your normal life, whether you be in middle school, you be in elementary school, or you be in high school. Know and understand how you like to interact with other individuals because it's always going to progress from there. You're not going to know everything. You're always going to learn everything. Life is a learning lesson. You'll learn until the day that you die. Because yep. even when you're in that deathbed, you're laying, you're laying luxuriously, honey. You're getting I, ready for the greatest journey. Like Joan River, you still learning like how that hospital bed works, how that button works, how that nurse comes nice. to you. So whatever. So it's just everything is a, a learning lesson in life. But I do want to make it clear and from this conversation between the both of us is that um being someone of color um and it could definitely be different from someone who is not of color and they're in in a colorful fraternity in it uh divine <laughs> nine they could have like a different uh ex- a- aspect or view on life um but for us it's never i don't think 
hindered me. It's always taught me so much more than what I've Made ever could have expected. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I appreciate it. Um, so, and I don't have, yes, I do have those times where I wish, think, what if I was in a predominantly black fraternity, but you know, I didn't live that life. So I can be a Mason if I wanted to. I know I'm actually thinking about doing so, but I want the best of both worlds. I want to recognize who I am and who I come from and where I'm going to be. So, yeah, that's that. My two cents would be to know who you are. Mm-hmm. And what I found for me is that I'll try anything once, but... You ain't gonna I try need, it twice. <laughs> and that's the thing. You need to draw a line of where you're gonna stop. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You need to know, like, okay, this is my limit. I've done it this much. No more. And once you write that, for, once you have that for yourself, once you make that clear to other people, and that's key is the communication, is to know what you want and to work out how to get it. To know what you want, you need to know who you are. Mm-hmm. And to know who you are, you need to know what you want. You got to live life to say that you live life. Girl, let me tell you. So let me tell you about um, my Past weekend, um, it was my grandmother's 77th birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Lolo. Happy Lorraine. birthday, Grandma. Yeah, like, it's my mom's mom, and she was the first person in this entire world to see me born. Um, I was a C-section baby, so when they pulled me out of my mom's stomach, I was facing my grandmother. So I love her. I... am the favorite grandchild. Yes, bitch, I know. <laughs> like, you I made am. it. I am. But... I, um, so a funny story that happened was my mom was talking to my grandmother. They were cooking breakfast in the kitchen. And my mom was like, mom, like, I think that, you know, this summer, you know what we should do? Like, we should go on a cruise. And my grandma was really quiet. She's like, mom, like, what's going on? She's like, you know, I was thinking of something nice, but you fucked it up. (laughs) So my grandma, like, my grandma (laughs) is sassy. Like, I told her, you know, look. Girl, I made it on the sec. I'm a veteran on this cheerleading team. And so, um, girl, like, I made it. And she was like, I figured you would. You'd be flipping and jumping and throwing shit, bitches up and shit. Like, I thought you would. <laughs> my grandma is so funny. And I was like, thank you. Like, is that my I congratulations? <laughs> so, my grandma is that girl. Like, I love her. So, sounds like she doesn't give a fuck. But she doesn't, because at that age, like, would you give a You fuck? got no more fucks to give. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any more fucks to give. I barely got some at 27. Get my last one in 2001. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so my grandma, like, it's just like, my so let me tell you is, let me tell you how when you get to look at 70 plus, how life is just, who got their phone on? Exactly. <laughs> Anywho. Why so let me tell you it's just to say that I don't have an iPhone for those that are wondering. I hate to see a green bubble. Let me tell y'all. But <laughs> stop. You, you're interrupting myself. Let me tell you. It's basically when you see the age of 70 plus, what like you life is just here to, to live. Like it's here to live now. You should always live life and you should never take it for granted. Yes, you're told that. You're told that. You're told that. But how many of us take life for granted? We're texting while we're driving. We're having unprotected sex. We're just doing whatever we're coming to work late and we know we got to be there on time and you can get fired at any time. So these are all instances where we're taking life for granted and the opportunities that we have for granted and the jobs that we have for granted and the responsibilities that we have for granted. So if you had a drink or two and you have your child in the back seat, like that's for granted. Like you don't know what 
tomorrow was going to bring. So my let me tell you is just like, let me tell you that when I get older, if God sees that in my future, I'm always going to live life like my grandma lived life because I'm going to always be witty because I am her grandson. I'm going to always have fun because I'm Ibn. I'm always twerking in a whole circle or whole circle because that be me and I be the whole show. But live life. Don't don't ever let life scare you. And like I said, that'll, that'll be an episode for another time. But let me tell you, the life is, is too short. I've seen people and know people right now who are my age and they are battling with life, whether that be on their own or under circumstances that were just placed upon them, but they're battling. And so so many things happening around me internally right now that I just feel like I can't let life get the best of me. I have to get the best of life. And so that's my, so let me tell you just seeing my grandmother, see another age and thanking God for her, her existence and her sharing her good Judy wisdom on me every single day. And I love to do the jobs that I do and to live the life that I have because I can share that with my grandmother. Whatever dollar cent quaint I make, I make sure that my grandmother always gets a piece of it because she, if it wasn't for her sacrificing her time, her energy, her coins, her dollars on me, I wouldn't have the show. I wouldn't have my, the life. I wouldn't have my life. I would not have my life, honestly, if it was not for my grandmother. And I always tell her, I'm like, girl, do you know it was just you and you had six kids and they had kids and they had kids? Like, Girl, you didn't, you're like a mama bee or a, like a, a big roach. <laughs> I told her that the other day. I said, you're like a, the queen bee or a big roach. You're like you the mother. Grandma a big roach. I was oh like, you're God. like the big roach who have all these on babies and they got babies. And then the babies got babies. And I wanted to say in my head, and some of them babies get killed and some of them babies die. But you are the foundation. And I mean, we can make fun and have fun, but like, she's the foundation of me. Like, if it wasn't for Lorraine, like, Lily and Lorraine, I would not be here. And that's just so wild. And like we I took her out this past weekend and we got our nails done. I got my feet done. Um, and I took her out to see my uncle who was also 91. And that's why I'm just praying to the Lord that I live a long life. But we just have fun. We went out to eat and we talk about me and just me being gay and just everything. Like my grandma is the shit like and I know that some of you all have those opportunities but so let me tell you don't take life for granted spend time with your loved ones and don't ever 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 not experience and enjoy the day for what it is because it's only a day and a day is a part of life hallelujah all right so tell me about your so's and let's and me's and tells and you's so let me tell you about these two recent trips that I've taken. One was for my birthday. I went by myself solo trip to Japan and I had a cut hit a couple of different spots in Japan. You did, and I was real nervous. Like, honey, when I tell y'all I was like Snapchatting him nah, all the time. Like, like where you at? Japan <laughs> is so safe though. Like kids were traveling the metro by themselves, you know what I'm saying? And it's so well thought out. Their their infrastructure and their social structure is so well thought out. That's the best way I can put it. You know what I'm saying? There are, of course, things that can be changed, things that can be upgraded, just as there is with everything. But from where I've been, Japan has got their shit on lock. 
first place I spent. How so? Just like uh, the way things are lined up and the way things are organized, like even the metros and the Shinkansen, the bullet trains, they always ran on time. You know what I'm saying? And if they were late, it was within 60 seconds. Unlike America, honey. Absolutely not like America. And you know what's funny is that America prides himself on their whole their whole thing about the consumerism is the customer service. The customer is always right. You know what I'm saying? They can't even get that shit to them on time. Talking about overnight shipping is the extra charge. Come on, guy. Where's that customer service? Anyway, in first place I went to, enjoy, well, that was one trip I did solo for my birthday just to kind of get away from everything. I didn't want a birthday party. I'd done that before. I was kind of tired of this that This is your scene. 25th? Yeah, last year. So, um, I mean, you're just younger than me, and I always forget how much younger than me you are. But you're not that much. You're like two years younger than me. Yeah, something's like, but, uh, just got up in the air and went over by myself for two weeks. It's good to get away. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I really yeah. want that in my life. Before I'm 30, I want to travel. I want to go to another country. One country. I mean, I've been on cruises, so. Not the same. See, my other trip was a long weekend in Cancun. That shit was lit. I went with uh, a bunch of young bachelor. It was a bachelor party, actually. Went with a bunch of my friends, and we just we literally just partied. And we went at the perfect time, too. It was first weekend of March, and literally we, we went in. Everyone was getting ready for spring break. And as we were leaving, all the spring breakers were coming in. So we missed all the noise. Oh, it was perfect. I mean, you remember PCB? Mm-hmm. That shit was a hot mess, let's be honest. <laughs> we were everywhere. It was a hot <laughs> There was no organization. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> he got his fake ID taken away. Like it was fun though. It was a blast. But <laughs> I don't. I didn't want that again. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So He's now so going chill. on this. Yeah, exactly. With the homies and like by the poolside, speak to some, all these beautiful international women. You know what I'm saying? So where are we I going with the that. story though? So it, it. So let me tell you about how each trip was different and why each one was worth it. Okay, I thought we was talking about the hoes in the story. But anyway, mm, go ahead. Nah, because... Go ahead, go ahead. They come and go just like the seasons. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amen. So, we're chilling, or I'm chilling in Japan by myself, and I'm taking the moment to to breathe in the culture, to kind of live as someone who lives in Japan. For me, the diet was complete ass. I hated it. They, You know, it's funny, something that I learned in my travels is that you tell a lot about a people about what they put into their body. Because the old mantra that you are what you eat is very, in fact, true because it's biologically and physiologically the way your body breaks down. The food they eat, it makes up the rest of your body, blah, blah, I must blah. be a chicken salad because I like a lot yeah. of chicken salad. <laughs> <laughs> so if I were a food, I'd probably be a fruit smoothie. <laughs> Even though you're the fruity one. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You fuck boy. <laughs> okay. So, but like, uh, and I learned that in like... Amsterdam, it's all clean food. Like, I could order a side green salad everywhere I went, and it came out fresh. I love that. In Germany, it was all just potatoes and beer and, and schnitzel, but I don't eat, I don't, I don't eat pork. Mm-hmm. So that was off limits for me. And then Japan was just rice with greasy seafood on top. I did go to this one place called uh, Tsukiji, I think it's called. It's the largest fishing port in the world. And I went around, and I walked into this nasty-ass alley just between two fishing marts. This was after the morning rush. I had just come out of uh, a park. And I walk in, and there's, like, 
you can hear the rats going behind the whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's it's filthy. And you ate the food? Yeah, I ate the food. Are you kidding me? It's authentic. It's the largest seaport in the world, and it shit is. I have a video of it. He he cut up the seafood. It was like was it octop- octopus? Yeah, there was octopus in there. There was tuna. There was salmon. You, you there ate was... all that shit. Yeah. Was it fried? Yeah, it was fried. I mean, seafood you can eat raw if it's fresh, right? Mm-mm. But it was, I ain't it was be me. No, no, no. It was part. It was part of the reason I was going was to be part of the culture to get outside of so myself. Did you stay in the hostels? I never asked you. A uh, couple, yes. Uh, one Airbnb in Sendai. Which was dope. The guy had like a sign when I walked in. He was like, "Happy birthday, Wild Son!" And she was. <laughs> he had a picture, a little drawn picture of Totoro from uh, Miyazaki's movie, on the side. It was lit. And so let me tell. So let me oh, I'm tell sorry. you. Am, is... am I? Am I? Am I rum- hey, well, that's, no, that's but I'm, I'm asking you. So let me tell you. Are you? Did you save for this trip? Yes. Or so let me tell you. Did you? Not save for this trip. <laughs> what do you mean? Yes, you know, absolutely, I did. So I got ready for it, and I got away from everything, and I and I just some things I I just left there. Did you find any hoes? That wasn't the point of the trip. I that didn't was, say that was. That's never the point of any trip. Oh, you're right. I mean, okay. Did you find any hoes in Japan? No, nah, I stayed away from all that. I mean, like I said, they come and go, but most of it was just me sitting. You in can't the back. go to, to another foreign country and not. You didn't kiss nobody. I didn't party. You didn't party. You didn't go to one club. Nah, that didn't let me tell you. That shit is whack. <laughs> okay, well, here's the other half of that. The other half of the story is Cancun, which the whole time was a party. Even mm-hmm. when I was sleeping, the homies were up partying, and when I was up partying, they were sleeping. You know what I'm saying? Okay, Never so. ending. So the the two the two are two different trips, and it's important to have that. You can't go into every single situation with the same mindset. You have to be ready for for. Any eventuality in any given scenario, but always come prepared. Like for the Japan trip, I saved up and I made a list. I did research of all the places I wanted to see. I went to Sendai, to Kyoto, and to Tokyo, of course, because Tokyo is Tokyo is fucking huge. How much, if you don't mind me asking, what's your budget? So I got the ticket for a seal was six hundred, and then to Japan round trip. Yeah, that's a fucking steal. Right, mm-hmm. so I copped that shit real quick, and I saved up for it. I took six hundred dollars in cash with me just to have on hand, and of course that translated to yen over there, and and then I had my credit card. The credit card, I think everything altogether was about another stack, uh, like the the Airbnbs, the the hostels, and uh, traveling, like getting the tickets for the trains and whatnot. All that together was about. 1600 so a stack plus the airline ticket for 600 about 1600 and then i brought that other 600 dollars cash with me just for like if i'm on the street Wait, and I your, find something. your round trip was 1600 or 600 600 the tickets but blessing uh, adding so did, on to so like, you did this all for 200 for uh two thousand dollars under basically that's crazy right because i just like i only did things i wanted to do and that was part of the that's so I guess nice that's, so let me tell you that he lived his dream and he did what he wanted to do for a budget because you can ball on a budget. But he did what he wanted to do, and I'm really proud of you for that. And nobody could tell me anything. As for Cancun, on the other hand, there were a couple alphas in our group, so we butt heads a little bit, but we always made moves with, with the crew, and it was always a party. Like Every move was for the party. The whole mindset to get there was to celebrate, was to do big things, things we couldn't, we wouldn't be able to do anywhere else. The same thing in Japan, but wherever you go, be ready for it. True. So let me tell you how I learned that on these two trips, each for different purposes. 
and each enjoyed just as equally because I was ready for each situation. I feel like you about to spit a sermon on me on a one two, one two step. Mic check one two one two. Hey, you All want right. some bars? So, anywho, thank you so much for your so how <laughs> you live in, and make sure that you write into me as so how you live in pod at gmail.com and next week i will be debuting our listener um i guess i mean they're like so how you living letters i don't really know but anywho um i gotta li- i gotta find out a, a, a right word for your letters for me but you're so how so let me tell you letters um so you can always write into me at so let me tell you pod at gmail.com or you can always write into me at so how you live in at gmail.com you can give me your so how you live in stories and if i don't have one i can definitely share yours and you can find me at ibn logic ibn l-o-g-i-c at, on the gram and you can see uh find the show at so how you live in on facebook and then you can find young wali well um where can you where can the people find you on Instagram, on Twitter, and on SoundCloud as at like the robot. All the words are spelled correctly. Um, SoundCloud, check my sound out. Walt, young Wally, young homie making his way. Give my tunes a listen. I might find something a little bit different. Okay. Find me on the gram. So give me like, you know, a sec, like a like a 30 second spiel. Give me, drop some bars. I have never owned a pair of Jordans in my life. I used to sell hella weed, get me through the strife. Dreams of a big house and a beautiful wife. Open my eyes, reality cuts me like a knife. I pray for patience as I work for these better sights. Look up, way up, and you'll see me there shining bright. Creeping up on you, got the game in my sights. Hey. I stay hungry, young homie, got an appetite. Ow. (laughs) Well read, listen, as closely as I share my insights. Uh, I'll just leave it at that, give it a little taste. Was that off off the head, the dome? Nah, it's something that that I've had ready. Okay, you know, you know, I come ready. I just told you. Say right, say right. Yeah, so right. let me tell you how you always come ready. <laughs> oh, you trying it? All right. Well, thank you so much, brother, thank you, brother, brother, and Habibi. for being on my show, Habibs, and um, thank you all for being with me in my journey of finding out what the fuck I'm gonna do with the show. But I appreciate you, and as always. Tap your neighbor on a Tuesday and tell them, have you heard? Have you heard of So How You Living? Have you heard of Ibn Logic? Tap on Ibn Logic's shoulder and just click on that blue button on Instagram and follow a bitch. Or you can find me on the Gram or on the Facebook and just follow me because I definitely want the show to grow. And I want the show to be our community. And I want the show to be us. And I want the show to be wild. And I don't only want the show to be black, but I want this show to be all of us. And I want this show to be gay. And I want this show to be colorful. So I cannot do that by myself. I can only do that with you, Love Muffins. So please, please, please join me in adding and following and sharing your brethren. But until next time, I want to say, I come in the club shaking my dress, throwing these bows and busting these heads. Say it loud. I'm fucking them proud. Hey, I said now. Say it slow. I'm here and I'm ready to go. All right. You know, we got to respect where respect is given. See you next week.